Uh, praise the Lord. Amen. We welcome you this morning uh, to this Bible study, 2 Timothy chapter 1. And so I began uh, two or three weeks ago on a series on core convictions. And uh, what that has to do with is no doubt you've heard of core training. Uh, some people, they do all kinds of exercises, but because their core of their body is not healthy, it's not stable, it's not been strengthened, it doesn't do them any good much. And because your core protects the vital organs of your body, your heart, your kidneys, all of the dynamics. Uh, <clears throat> and so, but that's true spiritually. Uh, if you're a visitor this morning, these flags represent nations and states where we've planted churches. Uh, if you were in the men's deed this morning, you see some fruit of that. Uh, just here in the valley, that's just in the valley. That's not counting India and Africa and Dominican and Mexico and across the U.S., Malaysia, etc., Australia, China. <clears throat> and so, uh, uh, but there's chemistry uh, in a culture. Uh, there's uh, convictions uh, that are critical that have to be a part of the body of Christ, the church. Uh, this, uh, just like a home, if you have um, uh, core convictions in your home, uh, your children, uh, this has to do with personal hygiene, it has to do with parenting, discipline, uh, all, it's many areas of life. But your children have such an advantage in life. Uh, plus, there's a good chance they'll be healthy and, and well-balanced and uh, have a sound mind and etc. Well, that's true in the church. That's true of corporations. We've talked a number of times about these great sports teams. <clears throat> there's a dynamic, there's a culture, there's convictions that are behind the scenes. A guy can be a loser on another team. Probably a prime example, he'd be a nut factory, Dennis Rodman. But when he went to the Bulls, they harnessed him. And the culture in the team and the convictions... Uh, uh, and he got several rings, and then as soon as he left the Bulls, he went crazy again with Madonna and all kinds of stuff. But anyway, that's another story. And so, so stay in the house of God. Amen. That's one good point. Uh, but anyway, um, uh, there's and the, the thing that triggered this in my mind uh, uh, was from generation to generation, things that are normal to you. You've been here a while. You've been here with people here, been here as long as I have, 30 plus years and et cetera. Uh, it's normal, <clears throat> but if you're coming the next generation, this is why God says uh, uh, God has no revival, has no grandchildren. Every generation has to experience a move of God. And so my concern was, is, is our, our, even kids raised in church, are people saved or come in, uh, they just step into this. They don't realize the price that was paid and, and the convictions that are a part of this congregation uh, that have brought us to this place of, of a great church, in my opinion. And so uh, we talked about that. Um, uh, uh, Tory, uh, Pastor Tory followed up on he's out of He's preaching out this morning. But uh, uh, about lying. Uh, Frank Cooper made the statement, listen, we keep our word. And I did a couple weeks on, he did it. And so God hates lying. And I hate liars. 
Amen. And so uh, don't be a liar. Amen. If you do, you, that's the spirit and the breath of the demonic. The uh, Bible says Satan was the father of lies. In this generation, I gave some statistics. They lie every 10 minutes. <clears throat> and, uh, and it's easier to lie on the Internet than it is face-to-face. Uh, and then I mentioned truth always has details. Lies are ambiguous. Uh, where were you? Well, I was out. I mean, that could be anywhere from Mars to uh, Florida, you know. <clears throat> and who were you with? Well, I just, some of the guy. Well, who? What time? And, and so anyway, uh, but that's over the years I've learned that. Truth has details. Lies or deception always wants to be ambiguous. It, uh, and so I'm not going to rehash all of that. But that's one of the convictions of this church. And one of the reasons we're able to do what we do is because I keep my word to the best of my ability. I keep my word. And so what happens is couples, uh, they're here. Maybe they have uh, some kind of good employment or even a career, or et cetera. And they'll take their family and go to India or China or Africa or wherever uh, along, because they know that they can trust my word and the word of this church that we're going to take care of them. That's why I always sit down with them. Anyone who comes on staff, anyone we launch, I sit down and say, okay, this is what we will do for you. This is what we'll do for you. And this is talking about financially and et cetera. Um, and anymore, uh, uh, my, my ministry, I go to areas, that, and Pastor Mills and I, we've discussed this, uh, uh, where I can touch a number of our churches at once. Is uh, There's a group of them together, or I do conferences, uh, pioneer rallies, discipleships, uh, harvesters, uh, and et cetera, and so the chemistry's changed. But, but we have to keep our word. We have to keep our word to the best of our ability. Each of us, if you tell someone you're going to help them, I'll be at your house to help you. Or I'm going to, you you're, you're talking to the door director, some of the leaders, and, and uh, yeah, I'll be there. Well, then you need to be there. <clears throat> you need to be there. And, uh, uh, you know, that's, that's uh, you heard Pastor Martinez. He, he, uh, his father died last night. He got to bed at 4 o'clock in the morning, slept an hour, and got up and came here. And uh, he's talking about that in Men's D. Well, that's one of the reasons he has a good church. That's one of the reasons he's got uh, uh, a great work there in Glendale. Uh, because your word. Because Jesus was the word made flesh. Your word is you. And, and again, I'm not going to go through all of that again. But anyway, you've heard a lot of that. So anyway, be a man or a woman of your word. Teach your children. Don't let them lie. Make them, force them uh, into the truth. Um, and uh, I have parents that cover for their children. You're raising a twofold child of hell if you're not careful. Uh, let them feel the agony of deception and lies. I'll never forget, I think it was J. Rell. Uh, uh, was J. Rell or Gail? You took her back down to the store and made her, she had picked up something and took it home. Brad, actually, okay. And so anyway, made him go back down to the store and say, I took this. I stole this. Well, that, that's a great lesson in life. 
So anyway, praise the Lord. I want to read this and then I want to move. Uh, you've heard me make another statement over the years. We are God's instrument of redemption. This is a core conviction of this church. We're not afraid of your failures because we believe in God's redemption and restoration and reconciliation. These all flow together. And, and this has to be a part of the, it's one, I'll, I'll make a say, it's one thing to preach something. It's another thing to be able to quote scriptures. But it's something totally different to live it and demonstrate it and, and be an example. And, and this is so critical. People who come through these doors, they have a lot of problems and issues and et cetera. They need someone to love them just like they are and et cetera. Uh, so we are instruments of redemption. And we'll explain that. And over the years, uh, this is critical. When, when you come to church, and, and like I was many years ago, uh, uh, I got saved, but I didn't have a clue about who Jesus was. I didn't have a clue what a Christian was. I was totally intimidated by church. I'd never been to church really. Little boy went a few times, but, but I mean, I didn't feel comfortable in church. I didn't look like those people. I didn't act like those people. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's just odd. It was just an odd dynamic. And I can remember coming to church, kind of, and Dion and Natalie Thompson, they were nothing like us. They had been raised in church. His, his father, Lawson Thompson, was an old, he's as old as I am now back then, and he was a deacon in the church, and I used to go over and sit on his porch, uh, and we'd rock in the swing, and this old man, he, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'd just talk, you know, I'm a new convert, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um, his wife would fix some chicken or something, and we'd eat chicken, oh, it was like heaven, you know. And, but Dion and Netta Lee, I, I, you've heard me tell the stories, and, and we go to their, you know, I didn't work. I partied, and so I was up all night. I slept during the day. We had to work. He was a machinist. It, well, it never entered my mind. I'm a new convert. We're over at their house, you know. It's 11 o'clock at night. He's yawning. They're trying to graciously get rid of me, no doubt, and Connie. And we're just, 11 o'clock, man, we're just kicking into high gear. We're just getting rolling good at 11 o'clock. And pretty soon he'd disappear. And I'd say, well, where's Dion? He, he went to bed. Amen. And, uh, but, but they were very, they, they showed us redemption. They demonstrated the love of God to us. They accepted us. And this has to be a part of the church. Uh, let me read 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1. This has been the foundational scriptures. Uh, um, let me read this to you, 2 Timothy. And then I want to get some scriptures and try to get through this. Uh, verse 13 and 14, Paul is writing to Timothy. He's the pastor. He's a young pastor of the church at Ephesus. And he says, hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. The good thing which was committed to you keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. And then uh, chapter 2 on down, verse 2 again. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And so uh, I need some scriptures this morning. I need John 3, 16, 17, 18, and 19. Who'll get that? Ike, if you get that. 1 Peter 2, 4. 
uh, if you get that, Billy. Isaiah 53, verse 3 through 5. Uh, Brad Jones, if you get that. Psalms 32, uh, verse 5. Guillermo, Psalms 51. Christian, verse 1 through 3. Uh, Psalms 51, yes, uh, uh, 7 through 9 and 10. Uh, Romans 5, 6 through 8. John, uh, and then Romans 5, 10, 11, and Romans 5. And I may interrupt you in the course of these. Uh, and so the word redemption, or when I say we're instruments of redemption, I don't mean that we're saving people, Jesus saved people by his blood. Uh, but this word uh, to redeem is the action of being saved from sin or evil or error, to be rescued. And the Greek, it means a ransoming deliverance. In other words, uh, Jesus on the cross shed his blood. His blood paid a price. He ransomed you. Be like uh, someone, you're, you're going before the court and they, uh, it's even deeper than this and more powerful. Uh, they go down and pay your fine or whatever and bail you out. But it's more deeper than that. He took our place where you don't even have to go. You don't even have to worry about it. Uh, deal sealed, over. And so uh, uh, to redeem, um, uh, and so, so Jesus Christ paid this price on the cross. He came to seek and to save that which is lost, to buy back what belongs to God. John 3, uh, 16, 17, and 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Okay, everybody knows that verse. But, but see, let's, let's get the rest of it here. 17, 18, and 19. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not, not is condemned already. Okay, because now he keeps using this word over condemned. That's three times already. Go ahead. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Verse 19. And oh, this is the oh. condemnation, that the light is come into the world. The men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. So four times here he uses the word condemned. And, and Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to condemn you. Uh, now that's a powerful, that'll set you free. That, that's a wonderful, what a, that, that makes joy run up and down my spine. Uh, as in, in action, not joy, but joy. Amen in the Holy Ghost, hallelujah. I'm just messing with her. I love, these young couples get married, it's wonderful. Um, this word condemned means to pass judgment without hope. It means you're con there's no hope. Utter rejection. Doomed as unfit. To cast off. Forgotten to rot. See conviction says you're wrong but there's hope. Repent. Condemnation says you're wrong, you're guilty, there's no hope. Forgotten to rot, it's over, finished, done. And uh, you're wrong and it's finished. You're guilty. Verdict, guilty as charged. Some of you may have, if you've ever been in court, you hate to hear those words. 
Guilty is charged. Sentence is passed. So condemnation says guilty. And you're going to have to live the rest of your life under the guilt and shame and judgment of condemnation. But Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world. I came into the world that the world might be saved. Redemption says... Um, Jesus himself bore our sins and took our place. 1 Peter 2.4. But coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. Uh, I got a wrong scripture somewhere. Isaiah 53, verse 3 through 5. He's despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Okay, he bore our griefs, carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. That's on the cross, okay. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He okay. was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Okay, he said he came on the cross... And as he shed his blood, you know, you've heard sermons, no doubt, the crown of thorns, the mind, uh, the sword in the side, uh, the heart, his hands were nailed, his feet, and you've heard sermons along all those lines. And he paid the complete price um, for you to go free as a human being, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically. You're here this morning. You can be healed. By his stripes you were healed. How many people have we seen healed here over the years at these altars and various things? Now, physically, emotionally, mentally, relationally. And so he paid the price. He, he purchased that. Hell came to kill, steal, and destroy, condemn, cast you into hell. That's, that's the demonic powers. And so uh, this here is, is God. And so David sinned. He sinned, and sin carries with it iniquity. These are two Bible words. Uh, uh, Psalms 32, verse 5. I acknowledge my sin unto you, and my iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Okay, I acknowledge my sin, and I've not hidden my iniquity. I'll confess my transgression, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. We'll talk about that in a moment. Psalms 51, 1 through 3. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Okay, now th this is fantastic here. David understands something about God that is so critical. He's, he's, he's done a horrible sin. Uh, he took Bathsheba, bath, and in any race, but words interest me, uh, the bath of Sheba. Okay, he saw her bathing. That's where it all started. Interesting, isn't it? But anyway, he, he looked out his window. He saw her. Uh, he took her, committed adultery. Then he sends, he tries to trick Uriah into sleeping with his wife, gets him drunk. Uriah won't do it. He's brought him home from the battle. He says, I cannot do this while other men, my brothers are at war. And so he wouldn't do it. He slept at the door. Uh, so he sends a note to Joab, have Uriah put in the heat of the battle and pull back from him. Well, of course, he gets killed. So, I mean, it's a wicked, nasty mess. 
And, and, but look, look, look at this prayer. Uh, the traditional Jews, they say they pray this prayer three times a day. And um, uh, I mean, it's un, you do the study on this scripture. It's, un, it's probably one of the most read uh, chapters in all the Bible. Of course, the 23rd Psalm and this. Uh, but it's David's repentance. But watch, go ahead, uh, Christian. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Okay, uh, verse number two. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me. From okay, my here again. He said, I'm not just dealing with the sin, but with the iniquity. We're talking about instruments of redemption. This congregation has a heart of redemption. Um, and, of course, and we're talking about what Jesus did. Uh, okay, verse number three. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Okay, then verse uh, seven through nine and ten. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Here again, sins and iniquity. Verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Okay, and so... So redemption, redemption has to do, and we believe this, someone can come through those doors messed up. And Jesus paid a price for their insanity, their sin, their bad decisions, their stupidity. And they come in, but you see, it's not just sin, iniquity. Iniquity is the stain. It's the fallout from sin. It's the residue. It's, it's, it's what's going on up here. It's other people were affected. Uh, uh, and and I, in my sermon this morning, I had this guy, and I, I don't want to bleed it all out. He texted me, got my number this week. And I mean, night and day, text, man, just floods of text. I don't even know who it is. I mean, just, I mean, just unending text and, and I'm, I'm not going to tell you all about it but you got to stay for church if you want to hear the rest of the story but, <laughs> but uh, uh, the issue was sin and, and I shot back I said the problem with your, your theology is sin is not just about you it hurts other people and so iniquity the thing with iniquity is the stain it's the fallout it's the residue it's the agony uh, to yourself. It's the memory uh, and other people. But here David understood that. He understood that God not only forgave sin, but he cleansed, he scrubbed away the iniquity. That's incredible. Without that, he probably would not been able to go on. He understood something and, 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 and we, we have to embrace that. We have to communicate that. We don't encourage sin. The wages of sin is death. Uh, we know that. And the gift of God is life. And walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. This is, this is horrible. And David, he didn't escape. The curse never left his house. When the, 
uh, I mean, the, 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 he, God forgave him, and claimed, but the curse never left his house, which is tragic. Uh, and so anyway, uh, it means to per- show mercy. Okay? And so it means to, to declare, we have to declare this, we have to preach this, we have to witness this. This is our message. That you can come through those doors, the world may have eat you up, spit you out, and, and you're marred, you're broken, your heart's broken, you're maimed. Uh, uh, Jesus said, I came to bind up the brokenhearted, set at liberty them that are bruised, open prison doors to those who are bound. And, and they come, but it's one thing to know, okay, Jesus does that, but they have to experience that. You are the body of Christ. It's your hands, it's your language, it's your face. It's your kindness, it's your forgiveness, it's your encouragement. That, and you become an instrument of God's redemption. You become something tangible here on life. As a human being, they say, oh, that's real. Because those people love me. They care about me. They encourage me. They believe in me. And, and that's, that's always, this church has a reputation throughout the fellowship as a church of redemption. You may or may not know that. I preach in many places, and, 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 and even I, I, I get back from people, and, and our guys out on the field, and they say, oh, yeah, Pastor Campbell, or, or whoever the staff is here, and they'll say, oh, Chandler. Yeah, the church, man, is just such a church of redemption. That's because people who have gone, we're not afraid of your failure because we believe God can redeem. And so in, in redemption um, is, is, is restoration and reconciliation. Romans 5, 6 through 8. And I'm going to open up here in a few moments. For when we are without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man, some won't even dare to die. But God commanded his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Okay, now focus on verse 10 and 11. Now, this is what Jesus did. Okay, now focus on Paul's writing to the church. For if we were enemies... We were reconciled to God. Okay, we were reconciled to God. Go ahead. By the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Okay, we're reconciled. Go ahead. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received atonement. Okay, we've received reconciliation, right? This means to purge away, to show mercy, uh, to restore and etc. So we're not just forgiven, but we're redeemed, we're reconciled to God. What does that mean? Anybody, what does that Bible word mean, reconciled? Reconciliation, what does that mean? Ike? Okay, it's one thing to be redeemed, forgiven. It's another thing to have reconciliation. Now you can have relationship with God 
and relationship with God's people. Before God said, I don't want you to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What is light to do with darkness? All these kind of things, Paul. But reconciliation means um, that relationships that were twisted and broken, there's tension, there's strain, there's, there's been things. That God says, I didn't just redeem you. I want to now have relationship. Can you imagine? Can you grasp that? God wants to have relationship with you. That's staggering. God wants to have relationship with you and I. I mean, I mean, and, and you know, a lot of you, a number of you raised in church, I can remember that God would want to have, that's scary. Did you ever use the Lord's name in vain? You ever be high or stoned or crazy or mad or angry and things come out of your mouth against God? And so in redemption, your sin is cast as far as east to the west. Uh, but now he says, I want to know you. And we should want to know God. I want to know you in the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your suffering. Have you been reconciled to God? Now this is where uh, holiness comes in, and we'll, we'll do a session on that. But, and purity and etc., uh, because without holiness, no one will see God. And so, there, and this is a pro, change from glory to glory into his likeness and image. All things pass away, all things. Now you, uh, th these, these things, the iniquities and, and these, these mindsets and these attitudes and and all these things that separate us, even though you can be born again, but you don't feel comfortable before God. Or, or, you know, you, what happens, God, be, as you become more like Jesus, you get closer and closer, and you feel this reconciliation. He's not a stranger. He's, this is why he's not just someone you cry out to when you're in trouble. That's why daily prayer is so powerful. You would pray every, that's why daily prayer is so powerful. Reading your Bible every day is so incredible. Because that, that's how you communicate. That's how you draw close. That's how you reckon. And, and as you do that, it's incredible, this whole thought. So let's, let's look here. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, 18, and 19. Did I give that to someone? Uh, someone read that quick. Who's, who's got that? Who's got a Bible? Anybody here got a Bible? Uh, anybody here? Good loud voice, anybody. Okay, go ahead. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, 18, and 19. Thank God for iPhones. Huh? Look at that. Got his Bible right there. Shush. Therefore, take that phone, ushers. Quick, take that phone. No, go ahead. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old, thing is, old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Okay, that's what I was talking about. Okay, go ahead. Now watch this. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through okay, Christ Jesus. Okay, now we're with God. And has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Oh, now he's given you the ministry of reconciliation. Go ahead. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. He's committed to us the word of reconciliation. Go ahead. There's another one. I think, is it 20? Now then, we are uh, ambassadors for okay. Christ. 
as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Okay, as we're reconciled to God, we become instruments, we become ambassadors, God reconciling the world through you. An ambassador, it represents a, a, a nation. He's in a foreign land. We're in a foreign land. This is not our home. And we represent God in the earth. This is what I'm talking about. We demonstrate his attributes, his love, his forgiveness, his kindness, his mercy, his faith. You can make it for God. You can live for God. There's hope for you. Condemnation says you're guilty and there's no hope. Conviction says you're guilty. Repent and there's all kinds of hope. But you and I are instruments of God's redemption, reconciliation, and restoration. This means you and I, as, we, as people see you reconcile. Remember what I've said. Don't take yourself too serious. Don't take everything in life personal. Learn to leave things with God. As you reconcile to God, the flow of that is you reconcile with people. Right? And you become an instrument of reconciliation. You become the word of reconciliation in the earth. Connie and I got saved. God began to forgive us and reconcile. But we reconciled with each other. Our marriage, you've heard me talk about, our marriage was from hell. I was an angel and Connie was a demon. No, 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 no. <laughs> Love that woman. But, but, but I can't tell you the violations, the violence, the insanity, the craziness, uh, and the 60s, the culture, everything. But we got saved, and God, as God reconciled us to him, we reconciled with each other. We forgave. We begin to trust, begin to deal with things. And as the world sees that, and they must see it. They say, oh, that's, that's God. That's why your testimony is so powerful. If God can do that in you, there's hope for me. Because so many times, I remember a new convert. I, I think about God and his, you know, I felt like the guy who went to the altar wouldn't even raise his head. I was afraid if I looked at God, he'd just slap both my eyeballs out of my head. You know what I mean. I just, I just, I remember coming to church and looking. I'm, I'm serious. I wondered if they was going to throw me out. Before I even got a seat. It, you, not you, buddy. Not you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my own one ever had those thoughts. I just, and, and but here's the powerful thing. He said, you are not instruments. You are my reconciliation in the world. You're my ambassadors. When they see you, they should see me. When they watch you, you should be demonstrating me. Okay? 2 Corinthians 5 um, uh, yeah, we just read that. Uh, let's see. Let me, let me uh, gosh, I'm, on a, I'm trying to get through this. Okay, but I want to always love questions and input. 
Um, we got five minutes or so. But remember, I've said over the years, we are instrument of God's redemption. That's such a power. That means uh, we're, we're not, you know, we're not afraid of, of failure. We're not afraid of your failures. That's why we can launch, everybody, you launch enough churches, everybody. I mean, people come back. People, things happen in life. So what? That's, that's, what, that's what restoration and reconciliation is all about. That that uh, people people make uh, people make they can recover. They can recover. So any statements, any testimonies, any thoughts, Raymond. Yeah, me personally, um, you know, everybody's had their uh, ups and downs and their failures, and you know, I think about the scripture with Job and how um, you know, the seven days his friends came and they they. You know, they didn't say a word to him, but then the first words they said to him was something critical. And I think that that's something that, you know, we can learn from in the church is that when something is going bad in somebody's life, you know, how we speak to them can determine how they, uh, they either grow or how they uh, run away from that. And I think it's important for us, you know, in the words that we speak to each other as far as encouragement is concerned, uh, to make it a place to where people can feel welcome to come in because it's so easy, you know, that we've been saved for so long, even myself included, that I, you know, I have to pray against this critical spirit that might come in, my, that come in me. I might forget where I came from, how I was when I walked through the door. And I just think it's important for us to always remember where we came from, you know, and that'll help us to be able to speak the right way and an encouraging way to somebody else who's going through a struggle at that time. Yeah, very good. Yeah, very good. We, and we don't hold your past against you. If God casts it in the sea of forgiveness, be for, and don't you hold your own past. Don't let the devil parade your past when you're forgiven, washed in the blood. And, and as Raymond says, how we speak, see, we, we are words of reconciliation and words of redemption and words of restoration. You can make it for God. We have to radiate from a congregation hope. When people sit by you, are they condemned? Or are they redeemed? By your body language, by your behavior, by what they hear you say. What is it? Have to forgive. Amen. Because God forgave. God forgave. Remember the story in the Old Testament? The guy uh, uh, owed him, uh, God forgave him, say, five million. And his friend owed him ten bucks. He grabbed him by the throat, had him thrown in prison and everything. And God came back later and says, well, you know, it's a story, it's a parable. Jesus telling a parable. Came back to him and says, what is wrong with you? You're forgiven all of this. And now you're going to be upset over this, this, this ten dollars? Come on. And so um, uh, we have to live this in any way. Uh, I've got some more. I, I'm, I'm going to just throw these out. You can write them down. 1 Corinthians 13, 3 through 8. 1 John 3, 1 through 3. Uh, we've got to close. God bless you. Thank you. I'll pick it up again next week.